take for granted. Um, I pray that you would continue to guide us and that we'd be able to see um, what you're trying to have us do um, in your name and that we would continue to further your kingdom. In your name I pray. Amen. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, put your hands in the air, wave them like you do care. All right. So, as we get started with uh, our study tonight, uh, I want to ask you guys a question, um, and I want to hear some responses via the raising your hand. What are some of your favorite holiday foods? I didn't even finish the sentence. So when you think about like any holiday, what is your favorite holiday food? And listen closely because I want to make sure I make a list for the future of foods. Daniel? Lasagna. Lasagna? Okay. Yams with marshmallows? More marshmallows, less yams? Okay, okay, yeah. Gabby? Bread. bread? Yeah, bread. I, Gabby, I, I love how you don't even specify. You just say bread. I like bread. Okay, yeah? Ooh, custard? Kala bread? Ooh, holla at me. Okay. What was your favorite uh, holiday foods? Oh, my favorite holiday food? Okay, so like food that you have on a specific holiday. Oh, okay. So, how about just like Big Mac cheese on all the other Thanksgiving? Ooh, okay. Big Mac cheese. Yeah, Althea. Deviled eggs? Ooh, don't forget eggs. Eggs with mustard. Okay, Nate. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Turkey. Classic. Yeah. Did, is that yours? Turkey, yeah, okay, Violet. Pumpkin pie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Ooh, send me some recipes, okay. What is that? You had me at fluffy. Yeah, Lucas? Chips? Okay, all right, Kira? Rhubarb pie? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, right, let's do a couple more. Back row, yeah. Stuffing, okay, yeah. Hold on, shh. Salmon? Mmm, yeah. Would you say grilled cheese? Doleche? Oh, wow, I was way off with grilled cheese. All right, let's do a couple more. Ben? Chicken nuggets and bread. Is that, where's Derek? Is that your Thanksgiving? Oh, he's out there. Yeah. Okay. A couple more. Elijah? Oh, I was going to say chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. All right. Wit. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Let's see. Haley? Pecan pie? That sounds so, like, official. Not pecan. It's pecan pie. Okay. All right. 
Wow, I'm gonna okay, let's do it. One more. Yeah. Caramel apples. Ooh, okay. All right, well, we should just make like an epic Thanksgiving dinner out of all of these things. It sounds really good. Birthday, okay. All right, cool. All right, so if you have your Bible in front of you, uh, who can tell me what book we're going to be in tonight? Colossians. All right. Colossians chapter 1. All right, so turn to Colossians chapter 1. And, all right, guys, we're going to start to focus in here. And if you need help finding Colossians, don't be afraid to ask a neighbor, ask a leader. We want to make sure that you are there and in the right spot, okay? So if you need some help, raise your hand. We will make sure to help you find Colossians. Okay, yeah, can I get a leader over here with Violet and um, over on this side? Dan, you got it? You got it? Colossians? Okay. All right, when you're in Colossians 1, give me a booyah. Guys, I'm just thinking about I'm thinking about food right now. I should have eaten dinner. Oh, sounds so good. All right. Okay. All right, everyone say hey. Everyone say ho. Everyone say context. All right. So we're going to start with context, okay? Or soya, survey is the first letter, okay? So, all right, guys, let's focus up here. Let's... Start to get into our Bible study time here tonight. Okay, so as you're continuing to find Colossians 1, let me give you some context into our passage tonight, okay? So at this time, as Paul is writing to the Colossian church, there was this teaching that was starting to infiltrate or sneak into the church, and this false teaching was essentially taking away of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, okay? So the Colossian church right now is starting to uh, fall prey to some false teaching, meaning they were believing lies that were taking away from Jesus. So Paul tonight in Colossians, but specifically here in this passage, we're going to see Paul bringing them back and reminding them of who Christ is and his power and authority. And so this is not going to be new information to the Colossian church, but rather Paul is trying to bring them back because they were beginning to drift away and believe lies. And so Paul here is going to bring them back to the truth that they once fully believed. So he's going to bring them back to the roots here. Okay. And so what I want to do um, again this week, since it seemed to go really well last week, so we're going to try it again this week. What I want to do is, um, so we looked at a little bit of context, okay, and I want to give you guys um, two minutes to, on your own, read through the passage and start to make some notes and observations, because our goal here is to help you learn how to study the Bible on your own, and we're going to do some practice here tonight, okay? So what I want to do is I'm going to give you two minutes, I'm going to put a timer on the screen here in a second, take two minutes, read through Colossians Chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and don't worry, it'll be on the screen as well. So take two minutes, read through it, start to make some highlights, make some observations. Again, we're looking for what is being said, and then afterwards, we're going to process together. So be ready to share, okay? All right, I'm trusting you guys to do this, and I promise it's going to be worth it, all right? So let's be respectful. If you need a hand with anything, just raise your hand quietly, and we'll help you, all right? Two minutes, let's do it, all right?
All right, so let's come back together here. Again, that is intentional because I want to give you guys some time to read the passage on your own and start to put to practice some of these Bible study skills, okay? So let's start off. What are some initial thoughts and observations? And again, we're not trying to understand what the passage means just yet. We want to identify what are things that we see here that are going to help give us a picture of what is happening, okay? So let's look at observations, okay? Daniel? Yeah, right? It gives us a picture of how creation was formed. Good, yeah? Jason? Yeah, right? And that's great, because remember, if you see words or phrases that appear multiple times, it's God's way of saying, uh, pay attention to this, okay? All right, yeah. Yeah, Jesus' death, right? And we're going to talk a lot about that tonight as well. Nate? Okay, so if you see a word, again, that's repeated, and especially a word that maybe you don't use every day in our normal daily life, that's going to be a word that we want to understand what that means, okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we got to get you like big print or something. Okay, yeah, bring them next time. Okay. Gabby? Shh. Yeah, so we see a lot of descripting words of Jesus, right? That's going to be important. Jocelyn? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Paul here is writing this letter. So again, it's something that we want to remind ourselves of who is writing. That's going to help us understand. All right, any other thoughts, observations, things that you just, you notice that seem pretty important or might be important? Yeah, right? So there are probably some words in this passage that you're like, um, I'm not sure if I understand what this means. Maybe you read this passage and your first thought was, well, this is way over my head. But you know what? That's okay. Because the good news is when we study the Bible, we're not alone. Because when we have placed our faith in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide us. And look at what Jesus says in John 16. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so we have to remind ourselves is when we're reading a passage that we might not understand, we're going to take time and effort to study it. But remember, you're not alone because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, if you have placed your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is there to help lead and guide you. And so God didn't say, all right, here's my word, good luck, may the odds be ever in your favor. No, he gives us tools and the spirit of God to help us learn and understand, okay? And so as we dig into this deeper, let's take a minute to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into his truth, all right? So let's pray before we dig in. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to dig into your word together. I just ask that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us and speak through me, but speak through your words so that each and every one of us can understand what you desire for us to know and to understand and then to apply to our lives. God, lead us to truth, help us to dig in deeper, and help us to really focus in on what you might be trying to declare to us tonight. 
And we ask this in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so the first question I have is, how many of you have um, a title over the passage? Maybe like a heading or something that's in bold print, okay? What do some of you have above that? What, is, what do you have written above? Okay, all right, good. Nate? Okay, preeminence of Christ. Okay, anybody have anything different than preeminence of Christ? That's okay. Yeah, letter of Paul to the Colossians, yeah. Yeah, the supremacy of Christ, yeah. Anybody have anything different? Preeminence, supremacy, yeah, Peyton? Centrality, ooh, these are some good words, all right. Centrality, good, okay. And so how many of you have the word preeminence? All right, my guess is that's not a word you've used recently. So we're gonna take some time to dig into this. So before we do, does anybody have any idea on what preeminence means. When I say preeminence, what, what does that mean? Any thoughts, ideas? Okay, importance. Yeah, good. Okay, yeah, pre-known. Good, good. Beginning. Nice, okay. Yeah, what? Paramount. Good. Any other thoughts? Preeminence, yeah. Okay, before, right? There's definitely that sense of pre-something, right? So it's good, yeah. What's that? Okay, starting something. Good, we're getting some good, good thoughts here. The best of something. All right, this is some good descriptors. Anything else? Yeah. All powerful, all powerful. Right. Full. Okay, good, all right, you guys are Bible scholars, all right. So we need to remember, when we're doing Bible study, if you see a word that you don't know, don't just skip over it and keep going. Take time to understand what it means and how it fits into the context of the passage. So this word preeminence here means to be first, to hold the first place. It's also translated as highest dignity, all right, so first first place, highest dignity. And so already, just from this one word here in this phrase, the heading already is giving us a clue and letting us know that Christ holds the first and highest place. So already, this heading is giving us an idea of where this passage is going. And again, these passage titles are not end-alls, but again, Understanding these words are going to help us begin to get a glimpse into what is happening here in the passage, okay? All right, so the passage starts off in verse 15 with he, okay? If we see that, we need to ask ourselves, who is the he being referred to here? So who is the he? Okay, on the count of three, I'm going to give you all one shot to get it, okay? One, two, three. Wow, that was so good, guys. You're so smart. Jesus, all right, that was, I want to help you guys get into this passage, okay? It's talking about, Paul referring is referring to Jesus, okay? Now, the next question is, how do we know that? Don't you say, Jesus. How do we know that it's referring to Jesus? Nate? 
Okay? Okay, all right, so we're seeing the descriptors happening here. Yeah? The title, right? Again, it's going to give us a glimpse into what's happening here. Any other ways that we understand that this is Jesus talking? Yeah. Right? Referring back to the blood shed on the cross. Okay, Daniel? Okay, right? So we're seeing very similar uh, imagery that's connecting to Christ. Okay? Anything else that you see back to last week's passage that will give us, again, a reminder? Any other thoughts? Daniel? Yeah? No? Okay. No, that's good. Yeah, right? So we're seeing all of these descriptors helping us understand who Paul is referring to, okay? And he's, he's referring to Jesus because back in verse 12, Paul referred to him as son. And your translation should have the word son in all caps, or it starts with a, a capital letter S, which again is going to give us an idea, an inclination that he's talking about Jesus. So we see son of God, capital S, and then all of the descriptors we see here are all pointing to Christ, okay? And so it's important for us to understand who Paul is talking about so we know what's happening in this passage, okay? All right, so we're talking about Jesus here again. Paul is talking about Jesus. So how does Paul describe Jesus in verse 15? When you look at verse 15, how does Paul describe Jesus, and I'm not trying to trick you, we want to see what God's word says. Gabby? Yeah, the image of the invisible God. Any other descriptors? Firstborn over all creation, or of all creation. Okay, anything else, Lucas? From the beginning? Okay, all right. So we see two big descriptors here. First, the image of the visible God. And so what Paul is saying here is if you want to see God, look at Jesus. And so this Greek word for image here expresses two ideas. First, likeness, and then secondly, it gives this um, idea of manifestation, okay? And what that means is Jesus not only reflects God, but Jesus fully reveals God. And so when Paul is saying that Jesus is the image of the visible God, Paul is saying, if you want to look to God, look at Jesus, because Jesus not only reflects who God is, but God is fully revealed in Jesus. So Paul is saying, hey, if you want to see God, look to Christ. And he paints this picture here for us, okay? So he is the image of the visible God. Okay, number two, firstborn of all creation, okay? And when you read that, that doesn't mean that Jesus is less than God, and that doesn't mean that Jesus was created or that he was born in the sense that he was the created being, but what that means is Jesus is over all creation, okay? So as Paul describes Jesus being the firstborn, it doesn't mean that he's less than God or that God created Jesus. But Paul here is saying that Jesus is over all creation. 
Because the Bible uses this word firstborn to give us a description of authority, okay? And so again, this is where context is important because in earlier cultures, the oldest sibling would typically have more authority over the younger siblings because they were born first. Now, I know you're already thinking, ooh, how can I use this, you know, uh, later? Well, Pastor Nick said that I'm the firstborn, so I have more authority now. No, don't use it. I will rebuke it. Okay. Don't try using it on your parents tonight. But again, understanding culture is important, okay? Because in that time, stay with me here, the oldest had more authority typically than the younger siblings, okay? So what this means, firstborn means that Jesus preceded creation and is sovereign over creation. So Jesus was existing long before creation happened, and he's sovereign, meaning over all creation, okay? And so that's why it's important for us to understand passage and context and know what these words mean because we should never just assume we need to dive in so we can understand this passage okay so firstborn means jesus preceded creation he has authority over creation all right give me a thumbs up if you're with me okay all right good so let's continue on here verse 16 again paul's talking about jesus verse 16 look at it here what was accomplished through Jesus? According to verse 16, again, what do you see? What was accomplished? Yeah, Kate. All things were created. Say it louder. Say it like you mean it, Caden. Okay. All things were created. I just want to see how loud you could get, that's all. Daniel, you want anything? Yeah, heaven and earth, right? All things were created through Christ and for Christ. That alone has power. So, if all things were created through Christ and for Christ, then according to verse 17, what does that mean for us? If all things were created through Christ and for Christ, according to verse 17, what does that mean for us? Us. Nate? And he is yeah, good. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean, again, for us? Thoughts, Gabby? Uh, like, like Jesus yeah, Jesus sustains us. Jocelyn? Jesus has our back. Love it. That's like a good sticker or something. Yeah, Kate? Yeah. Jesus takes care of us. Any other thoughts? Yeah. He's a friend? Yeah, Jesus is our friend. And so what Paul's saying here is since Jesus is before all things, Jesus holds all things together. He's got the whole world. Okay, whoa, okay, whoa, all right, all right. I just had to say it because I thought it and got to get it out there. So, just kidding, but not really. Because Jesus is before all things, so that means he holds all things together. Because here's the reality. 
Christ is not only the one whom all things came to be, but also the one by whom they continue to exist. So Jesus holds everything together. And I want you to understand this because this is important. Because Jesus, he's not this distant God that created and said, all right, good luck. Jesus is not on this vacation. He's not on this extended holiday. He's not like, good luck down there. No, Jesus is ever present. And guess what? He continues to hold everything together. Jesus hasn't forgotten about us. He's not this distant God on holiday. He's not on vacation. He doesn't have office hours. Jesus continues to hold everything together. And this is amazing to me because the entire universe, as far as we could see or understand, everything in it owes its existence to Jesus because Jesus created it. And that's why Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Because if Jesus created creation, the cosmos, the stars, the sky, the universe, planets, everything, the heavens declare the glory of God. Because creation's response is to declare the glory of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus created it. Creation's response is to give God the glory because God's the one that created it. And so when we look at the sky and we see the stars, it points to who Jesus is because Jesus created it. And the heavens and the sky and everything proclaims the glory of Jesus because he holds all things together. All right, so not only is Jesus over creation. So Paul reminds them that Jesus is over all creation. According to verse 18, who else is Christ over? So Paul establishes here, Jesus is over creation. Now, who else is Jesus over all? Okay, yeah. Okay, good. Jocelyn? The church. Everyone say church. Jesus is over the church, or in other words, the people of God. And so that's why maybe you've heard this phrase, the body of Christ, because Jesus is over the church, the people of God. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus, they are the church. And that means if you here in this room have placed your faith in Jesus, you are part of the church now. Not later when you graduate or when you get a job or whatever, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are a part of the church now. And that is exciting. And what's cool about that is that it's because of Jesus, he unites us as a church. And so that's why the body of Christ, the church, is so diverse. Because all of us, we find our unity in Christ. Christ is the head and we are the body of Christ. And so we find unity in who Jesus is is all right so he's over creation he's over the church how else does paul describe jesus in verse 18 
How else does Paul describe Jesus? In verse 18. Nate? Yes. All right, he's the beginning. What else, Caden? And the firstborn, okay? So Jesus is the beginning, which you already touched on, and Paul says he's the firstborn of the dead. We're not talking about, like, weird stuff, okay? What he means is that Jesus was the first and only one to conquer and triumph over death, which is what we celebrate on Easter. Jesus is the only one to conquer and triumph the grave. That's what it means by the firstborn of the dead. It means he rose again. We serve a living God. And so what's amazing about these truths, and what I want you to understand here, is that there's no part of this world, both seen and unseen, that Jesus Christ is not Lord over. There's no part of this world, anything that we could see or anything that we could not see, there's no part of this world that Jesus is not Lord over. And so that's what this word preeminence means. It means Christ is greater than everything. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Do I have a slide for that, Brandon? There you go. There's no part of this world, both seen and unseen, that Jesus is not Lord over. That he's not over all. Everything that you see, everything that you don't even know exists, Jesus is Lord over. He's over all. And that's something that we cannot forget. That Jesus, he's holding everything together. He's got it all under control. And so then Paul says in verse 19, for in him, again referring to Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And so then verse 20, what is being accomplished through Jesus? Again in verse 20. So what has Jesus accomplished in verse 20? It's a word that we mentioned earlier that might not be too familiar with you. Daniel? Reconcile. Everyone say reconcile. Okay, what, what does that mean? Or maybe reconciliation. What does reconcile mean? Violet? Okay, yeah, good. Rekindle a bond. Yeah, Caden? Make right? Good, good. Other thoughts? Reconcile? What does that even mean? Yeah? Yeah, make amends, forgive. Can you want anything else? To line up? Okay, good. So in essence, reconciliation or reconcile means a restoration of relationships or to make things right, to restore right? To be made right. And so what that means is through Jesus, we can have a restored relationship with God. And in doing so, we can find peace. It's through Jesus that we can have a restored relationship with God. And it's in Jesus that we find peace. And so if you've ever felt unsettled, in life, like that something's missing or something is just not quite right, that something's just off, 
Maybe you've ever felt like or thought, you know what, something's missing. Well, that's true. Because it's Jesus. Jesus is who we find ultimate peace in. And when we try to find peace or comfort in anything that's not Jesus, at some point it's going to let you down. But placing our faith in Christ will never steer you in the wrong direction. Because if Jesus is before creation and Jesus holds everything together, I think we can trust him with whatever's going on in your life. And so as a reminder, kind of a throwback to last week, how is this restored relationship achieved? How do we achieve or how do we have this reconciliation with God? How are we made right with God? Violet? Yeah, to place your faith in Jesus. It's through Jesus that we can have a restored relationship with God. And so if you ever thought, you know what? I'm not sure where I'm at with God. You know what? Look to Jesus. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross and conquering the grave that we can be reconciled. And that's the gospel. Last week we talked about the good news, the truth. That's what Paul is writing here. And then here towards the end, verse 21, Paul kind of changes the subject a little bit. So he's been talking about Christ. And now he begins to address the church, the Colossian church specifically. Now, according to verse 21, how does Paul describe the church in Colossians? What does he say in Colossians? He says, you were once alienated. You were hostile in mind. You were doing evil deeds. Maybe some of us can relate to some of those things. In essence, you weren't doing good things. But now in Christ, you are reconciled. And Paul says, you are made holy, blameless. Because it's as a result of what Jesus did on the cross that we have a restored relationship with Jesus. Now let me ask you this. How many of you at your family like dinner gatherings, like your holidays, how many of you have a kid's table? Any of your families have a kid's table? How many of you are still at the kid's table? Mm, I feel that. So, so I remember, I remember growing up, I was at the kids' table. Shocker, right? I, at one point, I was smaller. I know, crazy. When I was younger, I was at the kids' table. And as I sat there, every holiday meal, I always looked over to the adult table, and I just, oh, like the lights from heaven would just shine down on the adult's table. Because that's where they always had the best food, the comfy chairs, Meanwhile, I'm over at the kids' table. We have, like, these old plastic chairs from, like, the 1500s. All my cousins were like, look at me. I can put a noodle up my nose. I'm like, what are you doing? This is gross. And every year, I would look over at the adult table, and I'd just go, how long can I wait for this table? I'm like, I want more mashed potatoes. And they're just, oh, over there, and I could never get over. Every year, I kept longing, desiring to be at the adult table. Well, one year, we were sitting at the table for Thanksgiving, and my mom said that this seat that she pointed to was for me. And I was like, yes! 
Yeah! I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I did on the inside. I think I was like, cool, 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 cool. And I think later I was like doing fist bumps and all this stuff. And as we ate dinner and I sat there at the adults' table, it felt so good to have a seat at the table. The chairs were comfy. The food was in reach. It's glorious. It's majestic. The food was actually kind of mad, but it was good because I was at the adult table. And you see, when we place our faith in Jesus, we are reconciled, which means in Christ, we are no longer on the outside looking in. Through Christ, we have a seat at the table and the relationship between us and God has been restored. Because when we place our faith in Christ, God no longer sees our sin. He sees Christ. He sees Christ. And so Paul says in verse 23, our response should be to continue in the faith. In other words, stay true to what you know. Don't place your hope in something that's not Jesus. Because everyone look at me here. I want you to hear this. Anything that's not Christ will ultimately leave you satisfied, unsatisfied. Correct myself. Anything that's not Jesus will leave you unsatisfied. If you put your hope in something or someone that's not Jesus, spoiler alert, it's not going to work out well. Because Jesus will never fail you. He is before all and he is above all. And so what does that mean for us? Believe in who Jesus is and what he has done, and then live like it. Believe in what Jesus has done and live like it. Because here's the reality, and I want to leave you with this. There's no part of this world, both seen and unseen, that Jesus is not Lord over. And so my question is, will you trust him? Will you trust in Jesus? Because he's overall and in him all things hold together. And even though we were once separated from God, it's because of Jesus that we can be made right with God and then we can have a seat at the table. Because of Jesus, we can have a restored relationship in God. Because here's the reality. The seat is open and available, but will you place your faith in Jesus to take it? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity for us to dig into your word. I pray that if there's anybody here tonight that has never placed their faith in you, that they would believe that you died for their sin and that you conquered the grave so that they can be made in a restored relationship with you, Lord God. And I pray that if we are here and we have placed our faith in Christ, that we would think like it, that we would act like it, that we would live like we are new creations in Christ. Help us to live our lives that reflect what we believe in Christ. Help us to speak in ways that reflect what we believe in Christ. Thank you so much for this time and your word. And we ask this in your name we pray.